This is Everyday Driver, where we know cars are expensive and necessary and have to do a world of things. But we also believe they should be fun. Whatever you need and can't afford, we're here to help you find the right car. We're your car friends, your car therapists, and sometimes the bad influence you need. I'm Paul. I'm Todd. And this is The Car Debate. Hello again. Happy Tuesday. Welcome back to the podcast. Next week, a week from today, we are doing our next live podcast. That'll be on the Test Drive Videos channel on YouTube. It will be 775. All questions, but all cars. It's been a little while since we've done a live stream just because we had holidays and we had a yes. holiday break. So yes, it's been yes. a few weeks. We're it excited been a to, while. We're to do that. To do it. Also, if you go to everydaydriver.com, you can find our adventures tab. And we have started to tease the dates and a few more details. Registration is not yet open as of this recording, but our pilgrimage adventure to Germany and Spa-Francorchamps in eastern Belgium. The information is there. Yep. And then you can also find uh, one of our first two U.S. adventures, the Utah Adventure, in June 2023. The details are there. So start thinking about that. Put that on your calendar. Start noodling your schedule, and we'd love to see you. Yeah, we're going to open up registration to those in the next week or so. This is going to start opening. And then, of course, we still have that Colorado Adventure coming later in the year, so we'll be talking about that one as well. We have a bit of update news on a topic that's come up here before, and uh, it's kind of shocking, but I guess uh, it shouldn't be too surprising. State Farm, and is it Progressive is the other one? That's what we're seeing. Have both said that in some states they are, listen real closely, they are not going to insure some Kia and Hyundai models based on the plague of thefts that have happened with those cars. But what's interesting is if if you dig in a little bit, this is the immobilizer problem that's happened with Kias and Hyundais. It requires you to have the exact wrong model. Now, there can be as many about 100 models included on this list. You can find these articles various places. But the common thread on all of them is these are cars with traditional ignitions, a normal, simple key that goes in the ignition. These are the cars that are in real trouble. If the key has any kind of immobilizer on it, if you have a stop-start system, from based on what we understand, that is not affected by this. But if you have a simple key in your Kia or Hyundai models, up until like a model year of the last year or so, State Farm and Progressive have said in some states they are no longer going to insure them at all, which is going to just destroy the market for those cars completely. That's crazy. And meanwhile, drivers with existing plans are paying increasingly higher prices. Mm-hmm. This is a bit of a problem. It's increasingly, it's it hasn't ended yet because as of 2022, all 2022 and newer models are unaffected. Yeah. Still, there's a stigma surrounding that. Sure. And insurance companies look deeply into this. They have teams and teams of people <laughs> doing this. The issue isn't over. And we addressed this just before Christmas break, mm-hmm. uh, 2022 and dove deeply into this, that doesn't mean people who own these cars are just going to instantly get rid of them and sell them. It's it's your car. Well, and the, and the problem's clearly getting worse because uh, the repercussions, I should put it that way, are getting worse mm-hmm. with something like this. And yeah. then, of course, you know, there's, there's lots of misinformation or lack of information out there, and we've fallen prey to that as well. But definitely see if your model is affected if you have one of these. And again, if you have a stop-start, it shouldn't affect your car. But again, you're going to have to make sure you talk nice to your insurance provider if you have a Kia or a Hyundai that falls under this list. When you have that moment, you remember a car you're interested in, or you heard us just debate a particular vehicle right here on the podcast, you need a way to search for it. Our friends at Autotempest.com focus their efforts where it's most important, helping you find great cars, local, nationwide, big listings, or little ones. Are you the person all your friends talk to when they're car shopping? The folks at Auto Tempest rely on word of mouth too, and you'll give your friends the tool they need when you tell them about Auto Tempest. 
autotempest.com slash everyday links you to nationwide listings from Craigslist and Facebook Marketplace, so it enables you to search beyond the limited distances those sites support. So when you're doing your drive homework or you're chasing your next family car or you're just browsing to feed the disease like we do pretty much every day, go to autotempest.com slash everyday so they know we sent you. Autotempest. All the cars, one search. It has been a while since we've covered car conclusions. Thank you guys for writing to us with your car conclusions and vehicles that you bought and how the show affected your buying habits and your general outlook on cars and ownership. We're starting with Joseph in Northern Virginia, who has been listening to the podcast for years since quarantine, and he's been watching videos since he was in elementary school. I hoped you'd say it, and then I was also horrified that you might say it. Joseph writing it and saying, I've been watching your videos since I was in elementary school, and I'm trying... I, I, I'm trying to just find that encouraging. Thanks. I'm just trying to find that encouraging is really all I'm trying to take from that because if I look at it from that perspective, wow, we've been doing this a long time. I'm slightly off. Joseph is in Maryland. He's 20 years old. He is watching these videos and imagining things like, you know, how quickly can he go around this corner above the posted limits? <laughs> Rules are meant to be broken, right? Yikes. Okay. We've been a properly bad influence on Joseph. <laughs> I, I, good. I'll take that. Yeah. I love it. Well, I love the breadth of the podcast for yes. ages. Yes. And once you're embedded, once you are a car enthusiast, and once it is confirmed as a kid, like you and I, like Joseph, mm-hmm. it lasts your entire life. It doesn't matter yeah, how old you right. are. You're right. Yeah. Well, he's been reading those DuPont registry magazines that his brother would bring home. He just thought they were cool. He could recite the names of cars from memory by fifth grade. I was uh, I was right in there, too. Yeah, it was like for fourth, sure. fifth grade mm-hmm. that I, was, I, knew, I knew all the cars. By the time he had high school, he couldn't wait to start driving. And then he finally got his learner's permit, and a brand new world opened up. <laughs> but, of course, family riding shotgun, parents or brother riding shotgun, but all these car videos and reviews that he had watched, all the hours of gameplay, Need mm-hmm. for Speed, Forza, Mario Kart, it, he thought it had prepared him for the moment he finally got behind the wheel. <laughs> and he was a natural. He couldn't have had a better start driving. So all this prep time paid mm-hmm. off. Mm-hmm. Driving to and from school with his family really helped his confidence, and it made leaps and bounds in his finesse and skills. And I said something on the podcast when I drove with my dad. He would say, you don't have to impress me. <laughs> It made a big impression on Joseph. Well, yeah, it made a big impression on my dad. <laughs> We've both told those stories. Here we are, grown men have been out of the house and driving for a long, long time. Yeah. Both our fathers are like, I don't know that I'm okay right don't now. Don't need to go fast. Yeah. Well, in spring 2021, it was clear that Joseph needed a vehicle of his own because he had been driving the family's 06 Dodge Caravan. Mm, okay. It was a huge responsibility. He was ready to take on that freedom to move about without needing his parents to supervise him intoxicating he he's gushing in his email the, the email is enormous the, and he goes on and on but it's but it's very cool well he test drove a bunch of cars including a rav4 2017 super outback well they bought the outback and he drove it everywhere <laughs> and then he backpedals because he knows our love for outbacks which look <laughs> outbacks are like minivans and what i mean by that is there's very few things that do what it does better than that model yeah but we have yeah, seen fair. a lot of outbacks how do i put this Driven like roadblocks, that has not helped. Kind of their a cause. roadblock, yeah, for sure. But he he found himself this this uh, 2017 Super Outback with 50,000 miles. It was affordable, and he said he then after the fact decided to make it more his. That meant an all new suspension lift kit from Ironman 4x4, as well as huge Neato Nomad Grappler off road tires. He now has 11 inches of ground clearance, and he prides himself on being to go down any off road trail that he can. He he was recently. <laughs> 
on what he called what he said is called the Badge of Honor Trail in the Shenandoah Mountains, and it was it's a trail for Jeeps. And any time he would drive by a cluster of people with their Jeep in his Subaru Outback, they'd look at him like, what are you doing back here, kid? But he's never had an issue. Well, Joseph has just recently gotten a new job at Northern Virginia Toyota. And his job is to call customers and figure out their car purchasing status. People write to us, Joseph, and we figure out their car purchasing status too. <laughs> yeah. I but, know what I know. Yeah, what they're you, reaching out to us. Does. You're having the harder job for sure. He's loved working in this dealership. It's opened up the world of cars he wouldn't have been able to live in otherwise. And then seeing all this inventory, he's been walking around and seeing the cars that come in and out. And one day, an Alpha Julia comes into the dealership. Didn't even know they had it. All of a sudden, I was like, wait, wait, we have a Julia? It was the metallic gray, the TI all-wheel drive 2017 Julia with 38,000 miles. He had no idea it was on the lot. He kind of bumped into this car and went, wait. We have that here. I like, Joseph, how you wrote that you were on the phone with a potential customer and you transferred that call to a salesperson, looked at your manager and said, confirm, we've got this Julia. <laughs> and Joseph said on the spot, he's going to buy this car. <laughs> and sure, so, kid. You know, sure, kid. Yeah. The back and forth between manager, like, are you serious? Yeah. Really? Yeah. This is what's going to happen? And they hadn't gotten the car at auction. Well, they got the car at auction for eighteen five, and it was sitting on their lot for three days. Hadn't been properly processed into the dealership yet. Wow. So the manager finds the key fob. One of the salespeople comes over. <laughs> says, uh, you know, you're looking at the Julia, so you want to take it for a test drive. And then Joseph said, yes, I, I do. Yes, I do. Yeah, that, that's a lot of car for you. That's very interesting. Okay. Wow. The, the following paragraph is the gushing about everything that Joseph really hadn't experienced. But mm -hmm. I think you'd read about a lot of those kinds of feelings yep. in driving a car. And we have talked about the Julia in particular as that quick steering ratio, that quick steering rack very, and how involved that makes the driving experience, despite the fact that you're driving a sedan. Mm -hmm. And he, so he's made the leap. He, he gave his out back to his brother who loves it just as much as he did. And now he has this gray Julia as his daily and he could not be happier as a 20 year old. To have this hot Julia, he's like, how on earth is this the world I'm living in? And we are thrilled for you. That's really, really awesome. Joseph, congratulations. I'm so thrilled that you're getting to live your dream. And now you've got the Julia, so you can start looking at other cars. And what's next, right? <laughs> he's going to ride his back. You know he is. It's already happening. We've got Jackson in Northern California writing to us in episode 307 update. That was a while back. Since he last wrote, he has had several cars come in and out of his hands, and now he's got a 2022 Model 3 Tesla. He likes it, but he's always longed for a BMW. So what he did was convince his mother to buy a BMW. So you <laughs> I'd have like the a best. BMW in my area. So <laughs> the mom, best of both worlds. It's very funny. Well, this car is, uh, what is it, a 2018 440i convertible. Every option for an M Sport, white over dark blue leather. All right, I'll, I'll go with you on the leather, but still. This car, just shy of $70,000, adaptive headlights, the performance brakes, the neck scarf, got to have it, blue interior, only 42,000 miles, which was thirty-four grand before fees, and then here Jax watched his mom expertly talk them down from a price he was already thinking was fair because she loves the car. As soon as they got it in the garage, she grabbed his towels and dried the rain off the car while admiring the body lines. That's really cool. That's really good. That made an impression. I love it. Jax had never seen this behavior before, so it was awesome to observe. I think it's great. Totally on a whim. And then he doesn't know what will happen to her old V8 Volvo XC90, but 
you know, once you get that BMW convertible, you you don't even yeah. see it anymore, right? Yeah. Then his dad got a 2017 Accord Hybrid Touring a month ago, so he sold his fleet of cars. He needed to get his own car, and he likes the features on that. What else? Oh, his brother's got an Acura RL. So an SUV family going to a diverse group of sedans yes. and, a, and a convertible. Changed out things like crazy. That's really cool. Dustin's writing in from Indiana, and uh, he drives something I didn't expect. Yeah. Justin normally drives, he said for the last 12 years, his daily, if you will, is a 130,000 pound 34 tire fuel tanker he drives around southern michigan and northern indiana that's what he does that's his daily if you will so the monsters with the crazy number of tires that you see the tanker trucks he said in 2014 he had a ram uh, 1500 at his daily driver and he liked it liked having a truck but when that car was done essentially he was having heater core problems it was time to get rid of it he shopped around and he was listening to us especially me say the word chuckable Love it. Like, what is this weird word? What is this weird sensation of having a chuckable vehicle? Because again, 130,000 pound, 34 tire fuel tanker and a large Dodge Ram 1500. Neither of these could be described as chuckable, even in the broadest sense of the word. That's true. So he was looking around for a while. He ended up with a 2009 Scion XB because he likes boxy things. Remember that boxy thing? Yeah, I do. And what's crazy is, look, it's not what I would have described as chuckable, but it was the the Toyota dealer's shuttle vehicle. So they had all the records for all the years of it. He loves the look of it. And compared to anything he's ever driven, it's the most chuckable, slow car driven fast he's ever driven. And he suddenly feels like he's had his world awakened to the kind of stuff we've talked about. But the, the, the vehicle that brought him there is a Scion XB. I think that's fascinating. Dustin, I love that you have put it out there that even though you want a true sports car eventually, you didn't expect the XB to be so much fun. Sure. You bought it and love it. Yeah. I I think that's fantastic that uh-huh. you're enjoying the car because you bought it, you were in the midst of buying a house, and so there's some compromises to be made. We understand that, but you still were pushing towards getting something more fun. Mm-hmm. And I love that you ended up there, and I love that you have it, and you it's the exact opposite of your truck, your giant 130,000-pound truck. He even says this sentence, and I find this amazing. He said, I find myself taking drives just because, which is something we love. We love yeah. that we encourage it. But yeah. he says, this is something a truck driver doesn't do. <laughs> That's true. Right. <laughs> I love that you do, though. That's awesome. Dustin, congratulations. Thanks for attaching the photo of your semi-truck. And then he says, well, while driving to work, he listened to episode 191 where I talked about my green Honda Accord. And I had that for a lot of years through yeah, college. Did. Yeah, you did. I took care of that thing. And he says, how I felt about the Accord is exactly how he feels about his Scion. Huh. Fantastic, Dustin. Well done. Kai K is in California. He has been waiting on his new car, and after putting down a deposit for over a year, mm. his Lexus IS 500 is finally in the driveway. Before putting down the deposit, he took a lot of advice from the podcast to heart. He borrowed a Quadrifoglio mm-hmm. and an IS 350 for a few weeks at the same time. Mm. He was able to live with both cars and even do some back-to-back driving on the same day. We recommend that. If you can pull that off, yeah, what you just did, huge. Kai, is That's fantastic. fantastic, yeah. In the end... He enjoyed the Lexus more often than he did the Alpha. So he figured, <laughs> same car with a V8. <laughs> that has to be, be better. better. Yeah. Uh-huh. He passed on allocations for white and silver cars, 
well done. This thing is that circus peanut orange color on an IS500. I like it. It looks great. The car still has the bow on top of it mm-hmm. at the dealership when he sent it to us. He's got that car. You're rocking it. That's so cool. It's a cool car. I, lo- I love the, the chain of events here that is, well, I really like this. And imagine this with a V8. <laughs> now with more power. That's how we all think. Chris S. writes to us. He says it's been eight years since he first wrote to us back in 2015. So here's a car wow. conclusion. In that car debate in 2015, he mentioned he had an 01 Integra Type R that was his analog halo car. Mm-hmm. Bought it in 2014, and he spent years looking for this. No dings, original everything, under 100,000 kilometers. But in eight years of ownership of this car, 2014 to 2022, he only put 4,000 kilometers total on the car. So about 2,000 miles. Because... It was too nice to drive, and he was afraid that having the car out in the open (laughs) would mean it would either get stolen or dinged. The car owned him, and he came to that realization. Uh, Totally a situation of being too precious. You can't drive it. You're scared to drive it. And then what didn't help is the value of the car exploded in the 2017 to 2018 time frame, and he only took the car out of the garage two or three days out of the year for car shows only. No, all bad. I'm sorry, but all bad. I mean, you realized that anyway, Chris, but I have to acknowledge here that that is, that is terrible. Wow. Well, he decided after being part of the Discord community as a patron he, that enough was enough. In July 2022, he put the car up on Bring a Trailer, and to his amazement, it ended up being the second highest Integra Type R sale on Bring a Trailer, it's lot 77,554, so you can go look at that. Sold for almost $89,000. Yeah. Woo! Mm, yeah. Oh, this was totally unexpected, and as much as he hated to see the car go, it was not being used. Chris, I'm so glad that you came to this realization. I'm so glad that you finally did something about it. Mm-hmm. And I know there's, at a very high level, there are cars that can't be driven all the time. The Bugatti Type 35s and the old Astons (laughs) and the Duesenberg. So there are cars that sit in museums, and I get it. You can't put miles on it. But that car is an eminently drivable car. Yes. Probably won't be driven now that the new person bought it. Well, right, right. But I'm glad you forced yourself to sell it, knowing that you needed to get something either different or the same to drive Mm -hmm. and drive all the time. And that just happened shortly after the sale. His great buddy and fellow listener decided to go in on an 01 Integra Type R that appeared on their local Facebook marketplace. It had double the mileage of the one he sold. It was cheaper and was in rougher shape, but they're not afraid to drive it. (laughs) And they're piling miles on it and loving it. I mean, Chris, what you sold your car for is actually irrelevant to the conversation. I mean, good for you. But irrelevant, because yeah. ultimately, what I like is the fact that the car was owning you and you were terrified to drive it, and you just said, so that means it sh- I shouldn't have it. That means I need to get rid of it and get something I can drive, and now you have access to another <laughs> one you can drive. the same one, but the fear is gone. Yes. He's getting the experience huge. he wanted, yeah. but now he just gets to drive it and enjoy it. Yeah, it's rougher. Yes. Yeah. But you're unafraid. That is fantastic. That's amazing, yeah. Our debate is from Huey in the Virginia, D.C. area, writing to us. And his big headline question is, does growing up, does maturing and adulting mean I have to have a desire for an SUV? (laughs) Is that what this means? This whole adulting thing? Your question is a question that is somewhat universal. I think we all go through that place. 
whatever your thing is. It can be cars or whatever. We'll go through the thing, place where we go. Should I still do this? Am I too old for this? Whatever your category is. Right. And, and I would right. say if, it's, if you're still wanting to do the sacrifices of whatever the thing is, I, I, let, I'll just pick one randomly. Camping. Okay. When you're in your 20s, camping's awesome. Okay, yeah, yeah. Some people, when they're in their 50s, camping's still awesome. Some people in their 50s are like, no, never going to happen. <laughs> the great indoors. Uh-huh. I'm going to sit on my couch. <laughs> now, neither of those are wrong. Both of those people might have camped in their 20s. Sure, sure. The way you and I skied in our 20s yeah. was roll up in whatever car made it and had gas uh-huh. and have Cheetos in the truck at lunchtime. We don't ski that way anymore. Now you see somebody without a helmet, and you go, wow, ballsy. <laughs> So situations do change as you age. You're now 23, and this has got you to this discussion of you have a 2010 Mazda RX-8 R3. That is the late of the RX-8. It is kind of the definitive RX-8. There's a lot of things like about that car, except you acknowledge it. You say, rotary life, and you love and adore the car, but you also go on to talk about the fact that this is a car that needs care and feeding, and that's what's got you going. Do I need something else? But what I find amazing is you jumped all the way to, should I just go for an SUV? And he shares a mortgage with his mom, his younger brother, and his fiance lives with them. So okay. he's got people to take. Yes, there's, there's, there's stuff going on, yeah. The rotary life is not conducive to family life. He's realized that, <laughs> but that doesn't mean it has to be, well, I just jumped from my favorite car ever right into like, Okay, I just give up. Just yeah. go get the SUV. It's not, it's not a bookends discussion, my friend. I mean, <laughs> the there, there's a lot of stuff between your RX-8 and an SUV in silver. There are things in the middle, I promise you. I like how you're describing that if, if you're taken out of the equation, nobody can drive your car. But you give mm-hmm. the specifics, like if I tear an ACL or if I go missing. <laughs> what? Are you skiing? Are you mountaineering? But, like, but he makes <laughs> by yourself. You're right. This suddenly becomes that, a missing persons report in the specific. middle. Specific. You're absolutely right. <laughs> well, it's because nobody else drives stick shift, and because it's a rotary. He says, "This this if you've ever lived in a house with a lot of people, you've done this. The driveway's only so big, and the person that needs to leave their car's at the front, and there's four cars behind it. Yeah, true. This is the situation he's yeah. faced with, and so when that happens, they have to. He could be." Busy in the shower taking a nap doesn't matter. They have to. They have to get him because the only person who can move the RX eight is Huey. And is the problem Huey, is yeah. the problem is that because he's a good rotary owner, he refuses to start it, back it down the drive, let all the cars shuffle, and put it back and turn it off. He has to drive it around the block to get it up to operating temperature, <laughs> so he can put it back in the driveway properly. You've truly got the disease, Huey. Yes, for sure. You're you're infected. But he says because he feels like he's going through this automotive identity crisis that he just has to go for the cushy, soft SUV. Clearly, you've not driven yet a BMW X5M. (laughs) Todd and I were remarking on the lift today after observing how many folks buy X5M and think that's just going to be the plush, comfortable cruiser. You bought the X5M. What were you thinking? Yeah, sometimes when you buy the most uh, capable version of a car, (laughs) it is also the opposite of the most comfortable version of a car. But anyway. I get it. He says the thought of driving something automatic and just letting the car transport him to where he needs to go comfortably. (laughs) I'm just out of it. I'm almost asleep. The car just takes me there. Uh Uh-huh. Well, having more space than the RX-8 sounds very appealing as the weeks go by. Every time he gets a loaner from Mazda when his car is getting work done, that means often? <laughs> Possibly, yeah. Oh, not very often, he says. Okay, well, that's yeah, fine. Okay, that's good, yeah. All the new automatic cushy cars are so nice. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm going I'm <laughs> to side note here, Huey, real quick. I'd say this. I think uh, 
I think the hassle of the RX-8 is so present in your life right now that you're missing out on the stuff about the car that you love. You're seeing fair, an fair. even scale because you're, it's not like, well, I, I take an awesome drive every day and then this stuff happens and it's a little bit annoying. Mm-hmm. No, most of the annoying stuff is happening more than the fun stuff. And I think if you flop this equation and you wind up in the most cushy, normal, automatic, somewhat boring car you can imagine, I'm going to give you six weeks. And you're going to be like, I'm not having fun anymore. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it does all the stuff. And yeah, but I just, where's the fun? The entire tone of the email is sort of like Huey looking at at himself in the mirror and not recognizing the person looking back. (laughs) Who am I? Where is my car enthusiasm? Where has it gone? Am I becoming 95% of the population who wants a comfortable raised transportation pod to get me to my destination, he writes? He'll miss the RX-8, he's sure, but how much will he miss it? Mm, Interesting. He thinks he's got valid reasons for buying an automatic. Extra space would be helpful. He's driving at least two or three other people, the aforementioned family members, going on far out-of-state trips or buying stuff for the house. So, is the SUV or CUV, is this automotive car affection? Is it perfect in all its glory? And the manual sports car owners breed are the extremists that can't let go of their antiquated roots. We are the extremists. I will yes, that. We're the, yes, we're the sure. crazy people. His fiance drives a 2018 Yaris, which is lovely, but quite small. Oh, it is, yes. But it still has more space than the RX-8. So they end <laughs> up taking that on road trips instead of the RX-8, and she can't drive the Mazda. That's bad. That's genuinely bad. Yeah, you wound up in a car you really don't like on the road trips, and now you're going, I have to solve this as well, which which means that this next car is not just a, a commute device. It's also a road trip device, something yes. we can actually take and do some stuff. I, I, I do see how you've added this up to SUV. I also think there's options. I think there's lots of options, and I have some for you which he's open to, and he's got not-so-hard-and-fast criteria. He would prefer new, since all of his cars have been old and used. Okay. Old Camry V6s and Acura RLs, and now this aforementioned 2010 RX-8. He doesn't have time to wrench on cars, and reliability is way high on the list. And also, his fiance hates how hatchbacks and wagons look. Okay. She understands it's still his car, it's his choice. But she doesn't like him. And so then, what as you said, he can only have one car because of the parking options. So what we're concluding here is we're not going to talk you into a Fiesta ST. Because even oh, in the world of yeah, hatchbacks, right, right. that's a difficult sell. <laughs> if it was a really pretty hatchback, but some of them are <laughs> drive amazing and don't look great. And okay, I see where we are. Reading further, he would prefer a non-Korean car. He says no hate. He just hears the bad stories okay. and all right. engine failures and all this stuff. He doesn't want to support. All right. And the price tag at the very highest would be $55,000, but he'd prefer to spend thirty to forty. Okay. What should he buy? He's been annoying his fiance with all the car talk. She's sick and tired of it. <laughs> Thank you for writing, Huey. Yes, and I'm sure she's just like, I don't know. Can, can you please solve this and leave me out of it, but don't get a hatchback? That's really, the, do you see the little asterisks there? But yeah. don't get a hatchback, just so we're here. In, in terms of SUVs and CUVs, for that budget, fifty grand. mm mm-hmm. You have a plethora of choices. Tons of options. You're right. It's insane to the point where you're going to, I don't think you're going to really attach yourself to anything unless it's a Cayenne, but Mm. you know, I'm biased. Mm -hmm. Actually, you could consider a Cayenne. You could. It wouldn't be brand new, but you certainly could get one. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm going to leave SUVs to the side for the moment and start you out in the exact car I think you should buy. I'm keeping you in the Mazda family. It is the Mazda 3 2.5 liter turbo premium plus sedan. Your Mm. fiance doesn't like the hatchbacks. Good news. Oh, sure. They make the same driving experience. 
in a sedan form. <laughs> this comes in this shape, too. It does. <laughs> Starts at $34,000, yeah. but the Premium yeah. Plus, obviously, is a little, more, a little bit more expensive, but that does put you solidly between your thirty dollars to $40,000 budget range. Yeah. And that car is fun. Yeah, it is. It's Absolutely. a great driving yeah, car. For sure. Every time we've had the hatchback, I love driving it. And it's automatic. Mm-hmm. It's an automatic. Yeah. But that turbo kicks in. It's... It's got the the Mazda bones, that Mazda feel that you really like. Mm-hmm. And when you start to drive it hard and crisply and very quickly, I think you will feel some of that. And it will kind of tie you into your RX-8. It'll feel like it didn't quite leave your life. Mm, They're okay. very different cars, They're I really realize. But, but, I, but, I agree but there's a through yeah. line there. Yeah, for sure. For and sure. I think that would ease the pain. That would be the, the transition over to future cars in mm-hmm, your life. Mm-hmm. But still, sedan, it's not the largest car in the world, but I think... It will fit your family, and it'll fit your stuff. The hatchback will fit more furniture and mm-hmm. you know trips like that. I hate to say it, I kind of like the hatchback better personally. Well, and, and for space wise, we're competing with a Yaris. Okay, <laughs> that's a good point. A Yaris, we have that's to beat a true. Yaris in interior space. That's that a low bar. Be too hard. Yeah. I, I mean, it depends on the object that you want to get into the car, but you can <laughs> fold the seats down and go through the trunk. And mm-hmm. but still, the hatch, I, I like it better. And then the other sedans that you've got to look at increasing in price are the Honda Civic Touring. We like that a lot. Mm-hmm. Good space. The BMW 2 Series, brand new. They're pretty expensive, I admit. But look at the 230i. But even slightly used BMW M235i's and M240s mm-hmm. are a great choice here. Sports car. They're a real car. They've got space for people and luggage and gear. Yeah, I'd be curious to see what you think of the space in that. I'm sure it has more than the RX-8. It probably has more than the Yaris, and it's a two-door. Todd and I don't fit in the Acura TLX. We do not. Anywhere in there. I mean, you did, but you were sort of looking through the sunroof, and that is not an optimal driving position. True. I I am too big for that car in general, but people that are not Sasquatch like me, that car can actually be great. Yeah, I mean, we're both six foot three. We fit differently, but we also notice the seating height position in the TLX is different mm-hmm. from driver to passenger. It is, yes. We sort of marveled at that going, wow, yeah, this is kind of different. And your seating position was different when you were driving, and then we yep. readjusted during that test drive. But I wonder if a TLX could fit you and your family. I think, I think you're the perfect size. Yes. Fun to drive. It's a large car, but it's really great to drive it is very good to drive yes those are my choices for you otherwise suvs like i said the land of suvs is huge i mean what is the brand that you are most attracted to from a style standpoint you like mazdas maybe you could consider some honda suvs Mm -hmm. maybe some toyotas you mentioned you drove a rav4 but uh yeah all right i there's great ones from toyota too yeah the cayenne is sticks out in my mind. Even a Macan, slightly used, but again, they're they're not new for that uh, for that budget. That is the hard part. Is some of the stuff that I want to recommend here is used. I want to jump to that real quick, but I'm also gonna gonna walk through the things that I really want you to have that you're not gonna get because they're <laughs> manuals. And that is oh sure GR Corolla. Yeah, yeah. Civic Si. Yeah, absolutely. You would uh, honestly, Huey, you would love both those cars. You would, you would love them in but commuting. Then if Huey tears his ACL or goes or missing. goes missing, <laughs> missing, winds up on a milk carton. Uh, you know, we can't move the car. Yeah. So on that's the other hand, problem. that might encourage your family members to learn a new skill. But I'll just put that out. There. I don't think that's happening. So yeah. unfortunately, those cars are out. Uh, in the world of sedans, I'm gonna I'm gonna list three. 
and you could get them. Uh, you theoretically could get any of the three. Well, two of the three are still available new, but all of them you might find a better deal, like a year old. You could get them better, and that is the Alpha Julia. Mm-hmm. Go, go, please, please go drive a Julia. Sure, yeah, great space for what you need. Incredibly fun to drive. Get a rear wheel drive version of that and love it. Chevy SS is viable. You want a road trip car that's also fun. That's true. Chevy SS. Now that's only available used, but you want an automatic, and those are the cheaper ones. That's you the can thing. Do burnouts to satisfy your the sports Chev- car. The Chevy SS needs. would be a phenomenal road trip car. It would be a solid commute car. It it does the hangout sedan thing, but it's a hooligan underneath. Yeah, which I really like. Of yeah. course, the BMW 3 Series is obviously a contender in this category. You have to think about that as well. Uh, in wild card category is where I went to SUVs. You did, okay. And I'm staying used because that gets you into the ones I want you to have. Good. Because they're not actually SUVs. It's that category we talk about where they should have been hatchbacks. When an SUV isn't an SUV. They're really hatchbacks. And here's the other thing I think is funny. Is you're considering an SUV and your fiance hates how hatchbacks and wagons look, but apparently doesn't have a problem with how SUVs look. That is kind of weird. Those Those do have hatches. I just want that noted. An SUV is a hatchback shape. Yeah, true. Anyway, so the two I'm going to mention there that you have to drive. What is the Macan you can afford? And what is the Mercedes GLA AMG 45 you can get? Oh, that's good. You can get both of those. Now, the AMG uh, 45 is going to be a little bit older. The one we like is a little bit older. That was so much fun. So much fun. It's great to drive. And it's a seven-speed dual clutch. And then the Macan comes with the DCT. I mean, these, the, the manufacturers will not tell you this. They will deny it. These are hatchbacks. They're not SUVs. But right. they're sold as SUVs, and that gets it past the fiancé question because she hates the hatchbacks. It gets you into an SUV that really drives like a car, or in this case, a really good hatchback. But both of those are all-wheel drive, and some of the most fun we've had driving anything that was an SUV, or in many cases, anything that was a hatchback, those are way up there. I think if you actually went out and got one of those two, because the other thing I thought about, the Macan and the GLA both do this. You can hang out. I mean, the GLA is a little more obnoxious, but both hardcore, of them, and li- both of them, you can hang out. You're just driving it like an auto. You're driving it calm. It's no big deal. And then when you have an opportunity, they have agility to throw down. I mean, all of these choices, Huey, I don't think you're going to miss your RX-8 in terms of the drive. Yeah. I love that car. I love the RX-8. I love how mm-hmm. it handles. Yes. Excellent to drive. But with what you see your future needs being... And well, actually, current needs, I suppose. Mm-hmm. But all of these cars drive so great; they're so much fun to drive. Yeah. I don't think you're going to really miss it. I really don't, because you weigh the maintenance and the hassle of running it and starting up, and you can't take your mm-hmm. car. And the good news is, Huey, you're 23. Yes, that's true. You do have a lot of life to enjoy some cars, and maybe an RX-8 comes back into your life at some point. Who knows? Or, or some okay. other focused sports car that's less hassle than the RX-8. That oh, might happen, too. Find an owner who gives you the right of first refusal to buy it back oh. when you're ready to you go get your new right. car, and okay, they hang on it. to it, and it. then they just sparingly drive it, and then you want your car back and five right. years from now. Or who knows? Interesting. We've got a few questions from last time we didn't get to, including Anthony Z's question on Facebook, who says, all right, so you're 60. Okay. You've worked hard. You're able to retire comfortably. But do you? Do you work an extra one or two or three years with the sole purpose that every cent you earn in those extra years is yours to spend on a really nice car, the exotic Mm. car of your dreams? 
for when you do actually retire, a DB5 or a Ferrari 356. So like big, you're making big money in those years. Yeah, I yeah, okay, I mean, all right. I got it. I got you could be a, yeah. a consultant in those years and, and you could, yes. people pay a lot of money for your expertise. That doesn't happen to everyone, yeah, but, but I see possible. your point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anthony's question is, at what point does your answer change to a younger age, 58, or an older age, 62, or even older than that? This mindset is what you have in your 20s. <laughs> Every cent goes towards <laughs> the fun your car. fun car. It's just, right? <laughs> Rolling quarters for gas. Been there. Done and it. And then, yes. you know, uh-huh. you get older, and then you have a life, maybe a family, and everything happens, and then <laughs> you get to retirement. Although I've always hated that word, retirement, Anthony. I have always detested it because it implies you have mentally checked out of life. You've Mm, mm -hmm. got your career, the thing that keeps you going, the thing you love. You've hopefully found your groove. You're really digging it. And then you stop. And then you're instantly expected to fill it with something else that you kind of like. That doesn't happen to everybody. But I've always, I resent the word. Interesting. I do not like retirement. That implies I've just checked out of life. I'm just going to drive a golf cart around my gated community neighborhood. And, you know, I don't like it because it implies that you can't travel and enjoy life and still be skiing and strong. I sat next down to a, to a guy. I told yeah. the story just yeah, recently. Yeah. A guy was 72 years old on the chairlift. He let me know he was 72. Was like, that, that, is, that is common. Okay. Yes. Mm-hmm. And he promptly skied away from me at that speed, uh-huh. 72 miles an hour. He was just, <laughs> he was you know, gone. super G, Vapor big, trails. wide arcs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was gone. I was like, man, good on you. Yeah. It doesn't have to be skiing. It doesn't have to be that. But if your cars are your jam, it, it's not in direct conflict with what Todd and I talk about. But in some ways it is because okay. what if you paid less and bought a sports car you could drive? You could retire earlier mm. and you bought mm. a cheaper car that is just as much fun. Excellent question. Or 92% question. as much fun. <laughs> For 50% as, where, as much money, yeah. Where are you going to drive your DB5 when you're retired? Mm, mm. To dinner and back? Fair, fair, okay. Maybe cars and coffee. Are you yeah, going yeah, to yeah. put 3,400 miles on it and drive across the country and back? Mm. Eh, I don't really know. Interesting. What if you backed that off, retired early, and started having more time to drive, and mm. you thrashed the car that you had, and you paid a little bit less money for it? I realize this is strange coming out of my mouth, but look at you. Yeah. Do I want a Ferrari? Do I want a 356? Do I want all those things? Of course. I want to build on top of some of the stuff Paul's just said, Anthony, and that is this. I think that there's the car thing needs to be separated from this question. And then I need to ask this. Do you like what you do? That's important. Because if, if you're in a situation where you dislike your job and you cannot wait to be done with that job, this is a different different conversation. And now you're sure. actually having a financial planning conversation of, okay, I, I really don't want to be here anymore, mm-hmm. and I'm old enough to get out, but maybe if I stick around, I can do it. It could be car. It could be travel. It could be the RV. Whatever it is you want to do mm-hmm. that if I, just, if I just stick it out and grip my teeth, that's fine. Paul and I are in a blessed place, thank you guys for being a part of it, where we love what we do. Now, it's still work. It has days that suck, mm-hmm. but we love what we do. Mm-hmm. And so to the point you're talking about, about retirement, do I ever get to a place where I stop driving cars for fun and never, ever talk to a camera about them? I don't know. It's a weird thought to think about. I can't, I don't have like, oh, well, you know, you know, if I do another 10 years and I can really be done with everyday drive, I, 
what if I'm 90? I mean, frankly, will anybody watch? Probably not. But what if I'm 90? And Maybe like, from a mocking, sarcastic this standpoint. Car, <laughs> this car feels great. Reminds me of when I was 50. I, I don't know. Oh I, maybe. Am, Look, I, am I that guy? I don't know. I, but my point is, if you like what you do, then keep doing what you do. If you're ready to get yeah. out, it's a very different conversation. But I like what you're saying, though, Paul, and that is, if you're saving for the ultimate thing, does it sit? And it could be the RV or the house or the whatever. But if you're working those extra couple of years to buy the the holy grail thing, does it own you? I mean, people work well into their 70s and 80s, sometimes 90s. We realize that. Mm-hmm. And everybody's situation is different. I've had this conversation with my sister just recently. You know, what what is the balance, mm. the lifestyle you're choosing? And it, it's worth at least uh, entertaining the thought. You know, if I retired early and I could do this, but not at quite the high level that I want, because anything could happen. You know, you've worked your whole life. You finally get it. You, you've got the thing and you're dead. I, I have actually well, known how, those stories directly in my family of the people that happen. retired and died within weeks. Yes. I, yeah. That's why I think retirement is like... <laughs> Kind of the death knell, I, interesting. I, okay. In a weird way, what is the balance that will keep you going? My mm. grandfather lived to one hundred and two, and he had a great quality of life until he was one hundred and one. <laughs> wow, I'm still yeah. amazed. He went for hang glider ride, not hang glider, uh, just the the regular gliders. The, oh, sure, the toe behind. Yeah, yeah. He had uh, a full loop at age ninety, at age ninety five, and I think for his hundredth, he asked the pilot, to, "Like, let's do a full loop." <laughs> Like, you're 100, are you sure? <laughs> yes, let's do that. What's the worst that could go wrong? <laughs> like, he I'm, was taken too early. I'm 100. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to I encourage you. Paul Newman won his last race at age 82. I realize Paul Newman had money, but still. Mm-hmm. I want to encourage you to find that balance. What's the one that you can... How soon can you start enjoying it? Yeah, that's instead great. of waiting and waiting. And I worked harder and I worked longer and I couldn't taste it. And then finally I do. And then what happens? I, I want you to taste it as soon as you can. I mean, that's what we're here for. Of course, your financial situation will change. I didn't really didn't mean for for this discussion to go quite as long. But I hear your it, question. It's, it's an interesting thought, though, for sure. We've got it. All of us entertain this thought constantly. What is the tipping point? What is the mm-hmm. balance? When can I change jobs? Do something different? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so. Retirement, the, the big word, I've stopped doing that and I've started doing this mm. or I've transitioned into something that makes me even happier. I mean, my sister tells me like, once you hit age 90, you just keep going. <laughs> and she's, she's a healthcare mode. professional. <laughs> she, she's an RN, healthcare professional. And she says all the people that she's seen in their 90s, they're like 91. Like they just keep going. <laughs> what if... What if you could? Anyway, we could talk about this forever. Anthony, thank you for the question. Colin's writing in on Facebook and asking us, what is our favorite non-sports car car segment? Mm. And I was originally going to say GT cars, like big old GT cars, because I do like those. But I think I still think that's too close to sports cars. Yeah, it's I actually think distance. Yeah, my favorite non-sports car car segment is a car I don't need, but I actually love, and that is big, powerful executive sedans yeah i, I think those that. are awesome the s8 yeah those the are w12 good. phaeton this kind of yeah, world i don't have right, any use right. for where you're super comfortable they're surprisingly agile for what they are they have incredible amounts of power 
That's a really They're cool great. car segment I don't have a use for, but is really fun. All right, you're, I'll let you have that. You're taking that one, and so I'm going to go the SUVs, the X5Ms, the Porsche Cayenne GT. Oh, the super, the super performance absurd one. Absurd performance out of a brick. Yeah. Yes, please. Yeah. It, <laughs> unbelievable. My SUV can do that. <laughs> it can scare your McLaren. Why? Why, why can it do that? <laughs> Well, David E. says, will more performance in sports cars be low volume like the current Civic Type R and Corolla GR? He finds this dampening his enthusiasm for those cars. Mm. Well, what if it were the opposite? What if they just built so many that they're just dime a dozen? And would, that, would they still be special? Interesting. I see your counterpoint. I mean, they're not super low volume. They're not Ferraris. Yeah, yeah. But I'm wondering if the... That what's the right balance? What's the tipping mm-hmm. point between still being aspirational and still, you know, the carrot is just out of reach. What if it were in reach constantly? And, you know, it's like, well, everybody has one. I guess you go to Pebble Beach and it's like, oh, you've got three Ferraris? Me too. <laughs> this year is the Countach year. Look at how many Countach we have on the yeah, lawn. Yeah. Like, you only have three? I've got like six. Like, but I, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm projecting here. But I feel like when a car is good to drive and they make a lot of them, you see a lot of them and that's okay. M3s. Okay. Yeah. Are you, are you, if uh, I'm asking, uh, 911s is a great example, just a 911. Mm-hmm. Because most people, unless you're a 911 real fan, a 911 is a 911 is a 911. I don't know if that's a GT2. I don't know what that is. I, it could be a 4S or a 4 or a base career or whatever. But it's not stopping people buying 911s. They're still selling base 911s. They're still selling lots of 911s. My feeling is on all these cars, if the manufacturers would make as many as they could sell, how many is that? Hellcats. I, true. Is your enthusiasm dampened for Hellcats? And the huge cars have a lot of power. Mustang GTs. Mm-hmm. They are everywhere. Yes. Or, well, it's just a GT. It's still a great car. And if you like it, you're going to buy it, right? You're not going to not buy it because mm-hmm. other people have Mustangs. I really feel like it. And, and the thing that's also being not really noted here, and so I'm going to note it, and that is because they're limited, the dealers are marking them up. Yes. And yes. so now I want to I, I want to reset all of us for a second. We've all forgotten something that's been happening for as long as we can remember. And that is when a new vehicle, I'm not talking sports car. I'm not talking unique car. I'm not talking car. They're not going to make very many of like the Beetle. When the new Beetle Fair. came out in the early 2000s, those had markup. And those had wait lists because so many people wanted them. And they made so many that by the time they finally stopped, we were all just like, stop it already. <laughs> That's true. Okay. So that was like late 90s. When a car gets Sheesh. a lot of excitement and hype for people in general because it's the new thing, the Kia Telluride is an excellent seven-seat SUV. And they were doing markups, yeah, and they were having true. backlogs of people trying to get them because so many people wanted them. This has happened with cars forever. I hate it, but I feel like we as enthusiasts now are getting extra angry because it's only happening to the cars we want. No, it's not. Yeah, true. It's happening to any new car that comes out. And most of the time, most of the cars that it happens to, the Beetle, the Telluride, whatever, they're going to make so many that eventually you can get one for MSRP or maybe even less. I would hope, I would like to think that Honda with the Civic Type R, Toyota with the GR Corolla, pick your other car on this list. They'll just keep making them. I, look, I don't want to make them until there's five sitting on the lot because everybody's sick of it and they can't sell them anymore. True. I'm not saying that. True. But as long as they've got interest, make the car. 
because that allows all of us that want to get one to get one. It allows the crazy people that want to spend markup, don't spend markup, to do that. But I, I think we're all getting extra disgruntled because we've convinced ourselves. <laughs> extra disgruntled. Seriously, we've convinced ourselves that unless you're going to spend, and these are real prices, 70 grand for a Z car, 70 grand for a Civic Type R, 50 or 60 grand for a, G, a GR Corolla, you can't have one. And I hate those numbers, yeah. but I'd like to think the manufacturers make them long enough that we can be like, I want to buy one, and the dealer goes, I have one. I have a thought, newly formed, David, Todd, for you too. And it's on a thin branch hanging out over some thin ice. Give it to me, yeah. And that is, by making these cars and making them at low volume, will people treat them better, and therefore they will last longer into the future no they're going to leave the plastic on them and try to flip them in 20 years. oh yeah don't tell me that so it's our job <laughs> if there is a satisfaction to achieving one in your life whatever that yeah. is at whatever price level and you've got one and you got a civic type r all right it's your job to drive it and put yes. miles on it but it's yes. also your job to take care of it uh-huh. too for you know maybe you have it forever but maybe you will it to somebody maybe you eventually sell it but I, I would love to think that our collective enthusiast ownership would mm-hmm. make these cars last forever. There's cars now that are 100 years old. True, yeah. They don't do the kinds of things modern cars do. I get that. But still, you see at auctions, this is 100 years old. This is a 70-year-old car. And that will well, continue to happen. And we'll be like, yeah, 70 years old. Wait a minute. Mm-hmm. The cars of the 60s are coming up on like, 60, 70 years old. Well, I was gonna I was gonna say, how many times do you go to a cars and coffee and see a car that's fifty years old? I'll tell you, every time you go to a cars and coffee. Yeah. I mean a hundred years old is way back there. But fifty not for long. Fifty years old is way back there too. And cars from the seventies are at every single cars and coffee you've been to. Yeah. I'm not saying they're littered with it, but you're I guarantee you've never been to a cars and coffee and not seen a car from the seventies. M. Jabilisco is asking me on Instagram. He said, hang on a second. He's been listening. He's been listening close. He said, Todd, haven't you got a 160,000 plus mile Cayenne in the garage and a wife who wants something different? And meanwhile, haven't you said that you're going to sell the 300ZX? And isn't your son close to driving age? So his big question is, is there a garage change coming? (laughs) But what I love is that you've been listening that closely and you've been putting the pieces together because, boy, have I been putting the pieces together. Uh, You are right on all of the above. There will probably be a Cayenne swap within the next calendar year. We'll keep you informed. And I'm going to cover that, of course. We've covered the Cayenne as a great long-term car. It actually just rolled over 160,000 miles. I pulled into my garage in the past week, into my garage, turned the car off, and it said 160 even. Nice photo. So 160,000 miles on that car. It's getting another oil change this week. It still runs great. But we are reaching that place where it's like, okay, we need to start thinking about what is next, which is probably going to also be a Cayenne because my wife loves them. But okay. So we're having that conversation. Yes, I'm going to sell the 300ZX as much as I love it. It's just financial realities. I'm going to get out of that car. So that's going to happen. And then you're right. Now, my son is still technically three years away from driving. It has, it's not like it hasn't That's crossed crazy. my mind. Crazy, Yeah, it's going to go quick. So there will be some garage shuffle happening, and of course, we will cover it for you. All right, quick. Shoopy302 on Instagram asks for our best tips for winter car washing to clean off the salt and road grime. Mm. Without your windows freezing shut, do you tough it out in the driveway? Do you do the booth self-spray or touch-free touch drive-through? Depends on the car. Depends how precious it is to you. Yeah, yeah. I prefer the self-spray booth because I can control that. Mm. 
you it, to get the the real grime off it's still going to need a hand wash but it is a great way to get yeah. in places that the automatic washes whether it's touch or touchless doesn't reach and doesn't mm-hmm. spend a lot of time on mm-hmm. like wheel wells undercarriage that kind of thing and you know if you come home and you can put some Grio speed shine on it afterwards and still wipe it down use good microfiber good microfiber not just any microfiber <laughs> the good stuff yeah that's you know through the coldest weeks yeah you can limp through and then eventually you can get into the you know sort of washing yourself maybe in the driveway again if it's if it's your baby the bruce b on instagram is asking a question he said maybe this is one he should have reserved for 775 again that will be an all questions podcast and a live stream next monday night that is when that will happen so watch for it on the test drive channel we'll put out the links we're excited about it but i'm going to go ahead and answer this question now he said how on earth did we come up with the red blue shirt branding that we wear hmm he said, it seems like other automotive journalists or YouTubers wear whatever was clean that morning. That's true. And, and here's the thing. You know who pioneered that? They pioneered a lot of the modern automotive journalism is the Top Gear guys. You don't ever watch Top Gear, the, the Top Gear The three. original. You don't yeah. ever watch that and think, there was a costume department stylist. That's true. You see that James May put on the same rugby shirt he's worn in every other episode. Yeah, it might not be clean. It might be just, yeah, exactly. You know, a few days. You in. know, I mean, you got the impression that Richard Hammond was like, "What would look good together?" You got the impression that James was like, "I'm dressed, okay, I'm dressed." <laughs> just can we do this now? Be thankful. And I'm a James. Yeah. I have to admit. So, but but the thing that we did, Bruce, that I that I want to say is the reason what you, the, that you're seeing that it's the same reason you're seeing license plates and other things from us like the Everyday Driver license plate and that kind of stuff is Paul and I were always like, we're not making the Paul and Todd show. I mean, we know we're the guys and we're the, mm-hmm. we are the, the hosts and we get that. But we were building a brand and we wanted the brand to be recognizable as much or more than we were. Mm-hmm. We wanted to be the guys of the brand. Of course. But as yeah. a result, it was like, all right, so we need to have a uniform. I hate to say it that way, but it's true. I mean, my wife will see me in a red shirt with khakis on and be like, oh, you shooting today? We have a uniform. Like, okay. No, this was clean. Oh, exactly. darn it. <laughs> exactly. So so we did decide on a uniform, and I gave Paul of the option for, do, would you rather wear blue or red? And I was really wanting to wear blue, and he said, I want to wear blue, and I went, dang it. <laughs> and I wear red. Uh, I have a very red skin tone naturally, so you wouldn't be, you'd be amazed the amount of time I spend. If, if I get the tiniest bit of sun on my face... I'm in color correction going, we'll make that lobster less red. So anyway, so, but, but that's okay. We have, we have our colors now, and it works, and, so, uh, and we've done that. We'll keep doing that. And what's funny is if you watch Chance on camera, Chance wears gray. Mm-hmm. If you watch Nate on camera, Nate wears orange. We've all taken our colors. When Tom was working for us, Tom really, really wanted Celtics green. We were yeah. like, you can have it, buddy. So we've Boston always Celtics. tried to do that. So, so you still had some branding, but you could recognize who people were. Around Omaha has a great idea. Has the time passed for new sports cars without all the nannies? His 22 base model poverty spec BRZ doesn't have lane <laughs> Is that a keep. box you could check? It poverty should be. Spec. Well, it's along the lines of what he's saying. It doesn't have lane keep, torque vectoring, or any of those things. Mm-hmm. But now the Miata Club has brake vectoring, which as an autocrosser, he hates. Mm. Since back-to-back runs usually result in smoking hot brakes and wheels. Well, you're right, because there's not a way to override that mm. built-in brake vectoring. So, yes, what a great idea, especially for the enthusiast cars, rear or front-wheel drive, yeah. that they know people are going to track an autocross. Could there be a master switch? You flip the thing up. And <laughs> are you d- digging the- through the manual and the fuse box? I'm going to solve this right now. I'm sure, but what a great idea because otherwise people need to you know, do mods yeah. to, to fix the, the problem. But you're right. Maybe it's a... 
legal thing you have to accept, end user license agreement you accept on the screen. We're already and, accepting it that we're going to look at the screen instead of the road so. anyway. We could accept the fact that I don't want brake vectoring. Thank you very much. Just the plastic, red plastic cover with the <laughs> old <laughs> silver shiny toggle. I like that. Click it off and you're good to go. Thank you so much for all your questions. We yeah. still have a few left to get to, but we'll leave it there for now. Write to us. For all your car conclusions, we really appreciated those, your Topic Tuesdays, and most of all, your car debates, everydaydrivertv at gmail.com. One more reminder, mm-hmm. the Escalade V is on our test drive channel. We yes, it is. We cackled about that car. We cackled, and then it cackled on its own behalf. There's yeah. a lot of noise going on it in did. that piece, yeah. And then, of course, the Adventures for 2023. Join us. We're looking forward to next time. Cheers, everyone.